anyway, and there's this like, this like scammy book. I want to be musicvideodirector.com. I want to bullshit about that kind of stuff for for. for okay, well then send bit. me some linkies. Welcome to Music Video Land, the podcast about music videos. You would think that there are many of them, but there's actually, we're, we're kind of a, a big fish in a small pond. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but my name is Adam Fairholm, and then with me is always Doug Klinger. How you doing, Doug? Super good. I, I think that we might just be a, a regular-sized fish in a regular-sized pond, but there are no other fish. Uh, you see, that's a, that's the scenario that people a lot of times fail to take into account. Yeah, I don't think that the, the size of the fish or the pond really matter. There's just no other fish in here with us. Uh, um, we are pretty uh, excited. Wait, no. We are really excited for the interview we have on the podcast today. It's, it's almost inappropriate how excited it's almost, we are. It, it just, it's going to get us an explicit tag, just the amount of excitedness Excite, we had. Excited. And that yeah. is because we have evidence uh, here to talk with us a um, l- little bit later on in the show. He is, well, Doug, you're, uh, you're, of the two of us, you are the more, much more knowledgeable about rap. So why don't you give us a little rundown of, of evidence? Uh, well, I've been a big fan of evidence uh, for many years now. Uh, fans of Dilated Peoples probably would recognize his name Uh you know, really fans of, of hip hop in the last 15 years should should be aware of him and, and and know at least some of the stuff that he's done, if not his solo work, some some of the stuff that he's done with with other groups or with um, some of his production work. I mean, he's he's done a lot of work with Kanye West, and uh, and so he's definitely you know worked on a lot of recognizable things, and uh, he's also really talented and really spectacular um, when making music videos. Uh, so I think he's a really great guest for this show. That's right, and and if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you probably have heard us talk about evidence quite a bit because we have had two of the directors that he's worked with frequently on the program before, and that is um, Todd on Kasawan, who we interviewed. I think it, uh, let me see, yes, yeah, season two, uh, episode seventeen, episode twenty nine, and then we interviewed uh, Jason Goldwatch, who has directed a whole bunch of evidence videos uh, pretty early into our podcasting career and the episode is called penis fishing with jason goldwatch that's a uh, season one episode 11 episode. and jason's also done all the way you know has been working with evidence all the way back in the dilated days so yeah um, he directed their i think we talked about his uh evidence's first music or dilated people's first music video with with him yeah absolutely and it was it was also one of one of jason's first music videos as well so uh evidence has definitely been a topic of conversation um, on this show often, and I think uh, that's going to be a really great, great interview for everyone to listen to. And uh, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna confidently let new listeners of the podcast know that if they're interested in in hearing that interview right now, and then they're gonna come back and listen to this stuff that we're about to get into after the interview, that that you'll probably find that interview at the 20 minute point. That's a good uh, that's a good uh, rule of thumb. Usually, our interviews come in around that point. 
Um, if you're new to the podcast, Doug and I talk about music video news, music video topics, and things like that. Then we do an interview, and then we talk about our picks of the week, where we each pick a music video that we think you should check out. So, um, actually, let me close my window real quick. I just realized that I have it open. Sorry. Yeah, close, close, uh, close, snood. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2003, where snood jokes. <laughs> right, just roam free across the landscape. Listen to me. Listen <laughs> to me. That was meant to make it seem like you play lame games. Although I do remember. Do, do you get? Do you remember Snood? That was a great game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that was like the last time that I called something a window. <laughs> Close that window. Okay. Okay. It's it is Snood. Um. So. Uh, I, I well what 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 I want to say is I think. You know what I think would be a great thing for us to discuss, Adam, given our interview this week? Do tell, Doug. Do tell. Well, I think given the fact that uh, Evidence has worked regularly with, like you said, Jason Goldwatch, and also he's he's now done several music videos in a row with Todd on Kasawan, that we should uh, maybe get into a little conversation about combinations of artists and directors. That's right. You know, a music video director will, you know, music videos do not take that long. You know, they, they take time, but obviously not nearly as much as a feature. So music video directors do a lot of work. So um, oftentimes they will work over and over again for an artist, um, such in the case of Jason Goldwatches and Todd and Kasawans with evidence. Um, and you'll, you'll hear this kind of thing in, in film a lot, you know. Uh, Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese or, uh, you know, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton, uh, you know, those kind of combinations that kind of pop up a lot. Um, uh, but, but I don't think people have really explored it as much in music videos, but I think it occurs just as frequently. Yeah, and I think there's there's a few different reasons that artists get together with music video directors. Um, you know, artists... Uh, I think you know music videos are representations of them, and they're pieces of art too. So a lot of sometimes artists will just give put it in the hands of the director and say you know uh, whatever. And you know I think in a, in a minority they may not really care what the music video looks like, but and a lot of times they're really interested in the final product. It's kind of an extension of their art. So who they pick and who they work with um, is is important. At the same time, the music video director is an artist as well. So who they work with is important. Um, so there's really an opportunity for an artistic collaboration. A lot of this, you know, in the same way that um, you know artists, you know, musicians will collaborate on a record or a song or something like that. Or you know, I guess music is is and art, you know, music is the best example of, of, of that that I can think of. But um, there really is a, a collaboration. So you have these some of these collaborations where um, the directors and the artists are sort of growing together and feeding off each other artistically. So a song. Uh, yeah, I think oh, I was going to say. I, I think there's. I think there's three. I think there's three kind of camps when it comes to these collaborations. I think in one case, um, it's it's your case of like the Isaac Ravi Shankara and. 303 when kind of they knew each other when they were young uh kind of like their first big video for each you know the first you know music video director that or the music video that Isaac directed and the first music vi video that 303 made kind of occurred in the same video and they've continued to work together and grow together i think that's one camp um mm -hmm. another camp is your like 
Hype Williams, who is, you know, really established as a music video director. So, you know, if you're a hip hop artist and you want to have a great music video made, you know, you go to Hype Williams. You know, he, he, you know, had, has made, you know, multiple Jay Z videos, multiple Notorious B.I.G. videos, multiple Kanye West videos. So if you're Nicki Minaj and you're making a bunch of music videos, you're going to probably go to Hype Williams. So I think that's, that's the second example. Um, and then the third example is is when, you know, kind of an established artist, kind of an established music video director, you know, both professionals, and they just kind of click creatively, and it's really organic. And then from that point on, you know, they they continue to work together just based on that chemistry. So I think those are the three kind of kind of camps that I kind of see saw kind of naturally forming when I was going through these these different styles. Do, do you agree with those? I do. And I have I have one a fourth camp that I'd like to get into in a minute that is sort of an offshoot of one of them. But I definitely agree those that you know I think every collaboration can be put into one of those camps. Um, so let's get into a few different uh, examples here. Um, the one that uh, that jumps out at me that is a very uh, long collaboration and continues to this day is the Sophie Mueller who is extremely pr prolific music video director um, if you just sort of scroll through her list of her list of videos on the site you'll see many things that you recognize from 1982 when she started out with the Eurythmics and actually this is a good <clears throat> a good example of an artist starting out uh, with a music video director um, the first uh, 10 music videos that Sophie Mueller directed were for the Eurythmics um, but uh, but over the career of um, No Doubt and Gwen Stefani's solo career after that, Sophie Mueller has directed pretty much everything that um, Gwen Stefani has put out music video-wise. Um, and the reason for that is, as um, Gwen Stefani has said many times in interviews and in, in, in public, is that she thinks the Sophie Mueller is a genius, basically, and just really gets her music and gets the image that she wants to put out there. So that to me sounds like the kind of like more more of like a Hype Williams style. That's true, but the but um, the collaboration with the Rhythmics is is the first kind of style I'd say. Is it or in in Sophie Mueller? In Sophie Mueller, yeah. Right, right. But the fact that Gwen Stefani then kind of saw, like looked for her, you know what I mean? Because you know, I think that Hype Williams, uh, you know, probably in the early days, those collaborations came more organically, like like uh. Another similar example would be Paul Hunter. Paul Hunter uh, also has, you know, directed a lot of hip hop videos. You know, directed a lot of Biggie videos, a lot of Eminem videos. You know, a lot of Pharrell and Nerd videos. So he's got this collaboration history. But you know, at the beginning of Paul Hunter's career, you know, I think the third, fourth, and fifth music video that he ever directed were all for Keith Sweat. Boom, 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 right in a row. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, when when these, you know, the Every director kind of has to start somewhere. So I think that although, you know, like Hype Williams, like Paul Hunter, and I think like Sophie Mueller, although the, those original relationships started organically, you know, once people saw what they were able to do, you know, people just started kind of going to them consistently because they were, you know, they, they've had already kind of proved themselves and they, they've kind of, they move into a new, a new category in my opinion. Right. And, you know, the other category that I alluded to earlier um, is, you know, there's this, um, 
idea in in business that it costs you know a significantly less to keep a customer than it does to go out and get a new one um, and I think when artists you know artists uh, you know a lot of times will work in these waves and you know it'll go you know create an album and then you go out and tour to promote that album and then for a you know period of time all the materials and things like that that you're putting out relate to that album so you know it, in some ways and this is a little bit of a cynical view of it but you know if financially it a lot of times makes sense to keep a music video director making music videos for that specific period or an album it may work artistically definitely and i think that's a, you know the most important thing but it's a lot easier to call up somebody and say who just did your video to say hey we got we got another one um you know there's a lot less time having to spend you know setting up uh you know what what you want and making sure that the person is going to you know uh execute your your vision correctly and not make you look like an idiot and things like that i think a good example of that is samuel bayer who directed um all five of the videos for the Green Day American Idiot album and then ended up directing the Bullet in a Bible live concert DVD right after that. Um, so, you know, obviously this was a, a case of, you know, Green Day made the music, made the album, and then they knew that Samuel Bayer was the guy who was going to be able to bring that the image to it and he got, you know, their artistic statement that was American Idiot, which is a great album, by the way. And... Uh, th th and you know, in the middle of it, if you're three album, if you're three song, you know, videos into a five song track, why would you kind of switch horses in midstream? Even if it may give you a, a fresh perspective that maybe you do or do not need, um, you know, there's a financial uh, incentive to, to to kind of keeping directors in those album touring waves. Let's let's take uh, let's take through some of these other examples that we've got because I know I know you've got a bunch and I've got some too. So I think uh, another example that a lot of people probably probably are familiar with is uh, Spike Jones and Weezer. Definitely, uh, Weezer is is really famous kind of for their music videos and and making music videos. You know, they're a band that kind of made music videos over the gap of MTV and YouTube, and still kind of stayed relevant and interesting with those music videos. I think working with Spike Jones is a big part of that. And, uh, you know, although a lot of those music videos kind of fall in the earlier times of uh, when MTV was still doing cool things with music videos, you know, I think they, they carried over. And those videos, just to mention the, the, the three that they directed, uh, Body Holly, Undone, The Sweater Song, and Island in the Sun, in order of greatness. I think if anybody is familiar with music videos, you're familiar with the Happy Days. Uh, Weezer... Uh, Buddy Holly um, music video and in terms of like director artist collaboration I think that's one of the best examples of sort of a artistic thesis statement from both of those directors coming together it's sort of both those art uh, both those artists you mean yeah coming together uh, what did I say both those directors both those artists yeah both the artist and director coming together because it Buddy Holly is you know the quintessential Spike Jones video and the quintessential Weezer video at the same time. Yeah, I totally agree, and it's 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 also one of you know one of my favorite all time music videos. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Spike Jones has got a few of those, uh, but but that one I think that one's the best uh, of the bunch. Al Del Vecchio, 
who plays um, sorry Al Molinaro who plays Al Del Vecchio who is the kind of like the the owner of the, that little restaurant that's the actual guy they called him up and said do you want to play the owner the cook of the of, of the drive-in in Happy Days and this is decades later and he still looks exactly the same I mean he looks a little older but it's not you know it, it just that just kind of blew my mind that not enough not enough not different enough where you can tell exactly yeah and he's in there and he's you know in the music video he's playing himself you know decades earlier in happy days and that's one of the things cuz he's he's got actually speaking parts in the music video and stuff i think that that's that's really one of the elements in there that makes it work the fact that they were able to do that and have him in there kind of you know not having to use old footage of him, you know, being able to use him on stage with Weezer and stuff like that. It was just, that's part of what really sells the effect. Uh, what, what's, uh, you got any other examples of some combos that we can just kind of tick through? We don't have to really uh, go into too too much depth about them. Yeah, just the other two I had on my list were Jonathan Dayton, Valerie Ferris, uh, the collaboration with Red Hot Chili Peppers, and um, one of my favorites, Michael Bay and Meatloaf. Michael Bay. That is, that is a great one. People often forget that Michael Bay directed music videos, and th- three of them were for Meatloaf. So I, I, and I've also got one, uh, Trish C, I think is how you say her name. S-I-E is, is how you speak spell her last name an s with two vowels it's tough uh <laughs> but anyway she she did uh the here it goes again okay go video and the white knuckles video all is not lost and and also a million ways all for okay go so um that's another combo that was mutually beneficial for both parties uh you know early on combo so holla and we are all about mutual benefits here at the Film Insert Music Video Land podcast. So, um, and also saying the word "holla," we're part of. The, we're we're down with that too. Really, I think that's that's cool now, right? I have to check. Someone said that. So yeah, good talk. That was a good. Uh, good talk. I'm glad we talked that out. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we. I think that we could put that conversation completely to bed. No one should ever talk about that again. Never. We're not going to mention it again. Um, it, it'll be like it never. Well, it won't be like it never happened. But we've we've put it to bed now. So now we're going to take a listen to our interview with Evidence, who we we're really excited to have on the podcast. Like we mentioned before, um, we've had two of his um, directors that he's worked the most with, Todd Ankasawan and uh, Jason Goldwedge on the podcast before, so if you want to check those out. Um, and also, before you listen to the uh, interview, definitely check him out on the site. Um, a few videos to check out uh, that we mentioned during the interview are You by Todd Ankasawan. Um, to be continued, directed by Jason Goldwatch. The Layover, also Jason Goldwatch. Um, as well as same folks and chase the clouds away. So oh, um, we also get into some good stuff about Dirt Nasty. That is true, Dirt Nasty, nineteen eighty. So uh, without further ado, let's check out our interview with Evidence. I'm Evidence. Or presently known as Evidence, rapper, producer, um, Venice resident, violated person, Rhyme Slayers Entertainment. And as all of those things, what role do do music videos play to you? Um, for me, personally, really important just because the era I came up in, you know, um, seeing, just getting introduced to a lot of rap songs, personally, because I'm 
just like the, the music that struck me the most, or even before that, rock songs or whatever MTV played. But um, just like, well, when I was coming up, it sounds crazy, but when I was coming up, you know, a lot of the times I heard, the first time I heard a new song, it was through a video on your MTV raps or whatever the station was that I was watching. So not only was I hearing the music, but I was also looking at the chain that the guy was wearing and the dance moves that his dancers were doing and the cars that they were driving and the building that they were standing in front of and whatever else. So to me, it was like, not only was I hearing something, but I was getting to see it. And it was really powerful to have like both impressions hitting you at the same time. Sure, hearing a song first and then seeing a video can still be the same way, but if you do ever catch the first impression being a visual and an audio experience at the same time and you like both, you can really sell the dream. And in what era were you, you know, what years were you growing up and, and was that really hitting you the most? Like, like 89, 90, 91, 92. So that was like, you know, kind of a decade around after MTV started, and was that MTV and BET? Yeah, BET, MTV, um, The Box, um, whatever else I caught, but um, yeah, mostly Rap City, you know, because it came on at 3 o'clock, but I got out of school at 2.50, so if I ran home from school, I could probably catch, you know, three videos or two videos. Mm-hmm. That would be That would be the the move right if I could catch that so that was that was the good era and I still think you know YouTube and all, everything is good all that is still good it doesn't matter however you see it but yeah there is something like a a weird thing about community you know like um, like for instance I have a lot of movies on DVD or whatever on my rack like Goodfellas or something and I don't watch Goodfellas every night pick it off the DVD but if it comes on TV, chances are I'll watch it. It's weird like that. I think it's like because you, it's that weird like unknown sense of other people are out there watching it also. Mm-hmm. Weird, yeah. And and what are some of the some of the videos of that era specifically that you look up, you look back on and that that made an impact on you? Um, so what you're saying by UPMD, um. Uh, Karis one, um, my philosophy, um, organized confusion, stress, alcoholics, next level, um, exhibit, what you see is what you get, um, souls and mischief, 93 to infinity, far side, passing me by, all that, like early, early, from as early on as I mentioned with Karis to like, up to like mob deep videos and stuff like that. That era to me was dope. And I, there's still mad creative videos, but that era was crazy. And, you know, when you started making your own music videos, you know, you've worked a lot with uh, both Jason Goldwatch and Todd and Kaswan, who have both been on the podcast, um, who are both, you know, fantastic directors. When you started looking for people to, you know, bring that, you know, visual element to your music to give people that experience. What were you looking for in those directors? Well, Jason I started working with, and Todd I just recently started working with. Um, Jason did all our first videos, you know, he was a CalArts student, and um, yeah, he shot all of it on like Super 8, you know, handheld, editing on Avid, from somebody else's Avid that he could find time on, and stuff like that. And, um, 
yeah, I, I really like his style. Still to this day, he's got something special. It's just something I can't really put my finger on that he's got. If I was to say what it was, I'd say it's the editing, it's editing, it's music. Um, and um, being like from a photography background, my mom taking pictures and people like Black or Cesario Montano, who's like a legendary photographer in our neighborhood, and coming up um, painting with uh, Rip Cronk, who like did all the legendary. Um, murals in Venice like Jim Morrison and um Abbott Kitty and all like the legends and like being from graffiti crews like, you know, AWR R H D and dope things like that. I always felt like I had an eye for the video thing. Um so then at that point it was like who do you trust to try to capture it? Because I don't know how how the hell to do it. Um and we worked with Dave Myers before, we worked with Sanji, we worked with some like super notable guys like crazy mm-hmm. but um, I always find myself coming back to Jason because he just kind of got it without me having to overly explain the look he just understood it so um, unless I didn't answer the question or not but that's what I said so no different definitely and and when you I mean you worked with Todd Acosta a few times is it the yeah, same thing that like you don't have to explain to him what you what you want it just sort of flows that way no, it's totally different. Um, just work with him for the first time on this album, and he ended up doing actually all the videos. So I did one with him, and I really liked it. Did another, and I was like, let's do another one. Um, actually, Jason did one video, uh, and Todd did three. But um, yeah, Todd, it was more, I don't know this guy. I saw one video that he did with uh, Marco Polo and Rusty Jux. That was amazing. And I was like, whoever this guy is, I'm going to try to work with him. And I saw some other stuff that he did that I wasn't overly a fan of. And I was like, Phew. I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? Cause, yeah. <clears throat> you know, where Jason's like all one way, Todd has like a lot of different styles. You know, and I was like, oh, he's more like, I see what he is. He's more like one of those producers or musicians where it's like, oh, you want that? No problem. Oh, you want that? No problem. Where other people are like, this is what I do. You know what I mean? If you like it, come over. If you don't, don't. And I think Todd is, is very versatile. His styles are crazy. So we met up in New York, and I like, literally sat up and showed him a bunch of those videos, the ones I just mentioned to before. And he was like, I think I get what you're talking about. So we did the um, You video, which is the one that premiered, featured premiere track. And um, he, the first edit wasn't it. You know, I was real like, gosh, like, 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 I know it's there. I was like, it's just not here. And then the second one wasn't it. And the third one... We went back from so we did so many edits for that video. When we finally started getting it right, it was like, oh man, this was crazy. So like, um, I was definitely involved in like, being, you know, saying what I want and how I kind of saw it. But he shot everything and did everything. So it's, you know what I mean? It's just like I, I don't know how to. I guess uh, it's, it's like a, he's like a suit maker, you know. And I, I keep telling him, you know, I think this could be a little tighter on this part of my body or something like that. And he's like. <laughs> Okay, I'll take it down an inch over there for you. Or take it. It's like it's still all his product, you know. It's just I'm trying to custom custom it to where I like it. Um, after that experience was really kind of not grueling, but it was like we were really going in trying to. It was just a lot. When we finally got it. It was like yes, and that that video still it got it got to a million views faster on YouTube than any other video I've done before, which is dope. So it really showed all the work we put into it, and um, I think it's almost at two million now. It's just really crazy in a short period of time. Um, and then I was when we did the second one, 
I, I just approved the first or second edit. It was like we went through the experience so much after the first time that he got it. And the third video, um, yeah, I approved the first edit. So I think after the first time of going through all of that, he, he really got it when I'm looking for. You mentioned before about your, you know, your background in photography, and uh, anyone on Instagram has has probably seen seen your work on there and your photography on, on Instagram as well. I wonder is there is there a different audience? Do you think with the, with your different styles of work from from the from music to photography, or do you think you're you're kind of focusing on one fan base with both of those? Well, I started on Instagram. Like I used to take pictures and just post them, TwitPic or whatever, just post them up, um, and that was cool. And Babu showed me Instagram, and I was like, oh, I like that. But I didn't really get the concept, or, or I didn't get the concept as I understand it now right away. It was more still like, oh, I'm here I am somewhere, take a picture and put a filter on it and throw it out. So it was still more like a lifestyle kind of thing, which is dope, too. But then I started looking at other people's pages, and I started finding a couple of these guys. This guy, Urser, E-R-S-U-R, I found him. And found the, the Tony Detroit guy, you know, and a couple other people where I was like, oh, wow, this is like their iPhoneographers. They're not even, <laughs> it's not, there's no pictures of them getting, you know, food in line somewhere or pictures <laughs> of what they're eating. They're like really taking it serious. So I started trying to do some of that. And it's not as easy as one would think. I mean, it is, but you got to edit it and there's a lot of little steps and you can go overboard so easy. That um, just started doing that a little bit until I started eventually fading all the other stuff out, and then now it's like I'm trying to not be on their level because they're you know, crazy. But you know, there, um, there's you know, there's Babu, there's Thirteenth Witness, there's <clears throat> there's a bunch of people who I'm like really like their pages, and um, so I started getting more popular on that, and started I guess just making it where. It, a lot of people would see, you know, all, all the pictures I'm doing because the amount of likes I'm getting in a short period of time are getting on the popular page. If, if you don't know, that's like the trending topics of Instagram or whatever, and so to speak. And so when it goes up there, a lot of people just see it and like it and click it. And there's um, there's no like rap stuff anywhere on the page. So a lot of people, like people around the world in Italy and Thailand, I have relationships with and. I don't think they have any idea that I do music, but and that's great. But the reason I think it does link to my music is because I send links to my Facebook page or to my Twitter page. So those people obviously are knowing what it is. Now you know, speaking of you know social media, Instagram and Twitter, you know you have a really entertaining Twitter feed. And one of the things I read on there that I wanted to ask you about was uh, something you mentioned called rap hands, because uh, yeah. you know something you you know you know when you watch you know rap or hip hop music videos you don't really notice it, but once you mentioned it, I started seeing it everywhere. And you mentioned that MIA has really good rap hands and Jay Z and Drake. It, when you I mean when you have first of all, could you explain to us what rap hands are and how you how you develop them, especially for music videos? I mean, rap. Somebody I retweeted one of the, somebody put rap hands come from preachers, and I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." You know, mm -hmm. it's like you're summoning a higher force. You got to move your body. You got to move your hands and swing those arms. It's it's really difficult for somebody to talk if you ever even noticed it. Like next time you're having a passionate conversation, just try to sit on your hands. 
it's not <laughs> and the expression of moving your hands it's just the hands do everything I read something the other day that said people get shot you know or, or stabbed or punched they have the natural instinct to touch it like that's going to do anything <laughs> you know what I'm saying but it's like well I got stabbed let me put my hands all over this right now I'm dirty it up but it's it's what you do you just do that I don't know why same thing happens with rap you gotta just move your hand and a lot of people bite hand movements. I, I, and it tells me a lot about a person. Some people have really original hand movements. And uh, I think that's an extension of you. And, you know, it, it, I can't I can't like you all the way if you're doing, if you're doing Kanye's hand movements to the T. You know, I'm like, yeah. damn. Even if your rap is good, I'm like, damn. That's his hand. You're plagiarizing his, his, his rap hands. <laughs> Man. So yeah, it started out. I was watching MIA video, and she, she was just dancing really weird. And but then she started like doing this little rap thing, and she started moving her hands kind of fresh. So I was like, oh, okay, this has got good rap hands. And then I started thinking about it. And Jay Z, the most bitten rap hands of all time. Everybody does the Jay Z left hand, you know, whack, whack it to the ground. And Kanye did that, and then Drake did it from Kanye and. Yeah, the, the, the Jay Z. I think, and then I said I got to go back and find out where Jay Z got it from. I think that's might be Jazz O or the Jazz. That's where Jay Z. That was one of Jay Z's mentors. And I know Big Daddy Kane was also one of Jay Z's mentors. So I have to go look at some old Kane, some old Jazz. Do you have a signature rap hand move? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a um, it's, an, it's an amalgamation of, of many <laughs> rap hands. But uh, I would say it, it, it derives cash from the alcoholics was big to me, like an influence. And I'm, I used to bite that, but then more I looked at it, he was getting it from Redman. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so Redman is probably plays a big part. And then lately I've incorporated in my left hand, so this Brother Ali little whack, this little Brother Ali whack you do with your left hand, but I think he gets that from Jay-Z. So... <laughs> so you talk about how you know how there's like a lineage in in kind of the mannerisms of rappers and in music videos and performances. I, I I wonder if would you would you consider you know kind of the the process of being in a music video, considering it's kind of like a it's like a movie set, you know, kind of like a short film set, you know, if nothing else. Do you do you consider it more like a live performance or or more like acting? Uh, oh, it depends on what the video is. If I'm supposed to, if I'm naked in bed with a girl, it would be acting. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't done that many that many acting parts. In the Dave Myers video we did, um, the beginning of Kanye West, I'm like the beginning. I'm supposed to be watching like George Bush give a speech about how we're spending all this money to go to the moon or some shit. And everyone's like in trouble down here. And like I get, I'm supposed to like watch the screen, and then I get the remote and turn it off, and then walk out the room, and the video starts. But that was really at the end of the day, and I was tired, and I had just smoked a joint for the first time because I thought we were at, and um, there was nothing on the screen. Obviously, he put that in after, so it was really hard to just look at a blank screen and pretend that I was watching George Bush and get up. And look. I don't like that acting. <laughs> so like that, that kind of thing, hard. But um. Uh, Actually, just being in front of a camera doing what I do is natural. 
That's what I do. And in your videos, you put yourself in some different situations that are interesting. Like I'm thinking of like the Jason Gold watch directed video for the layover where you're in an, an airport, or the the other Jason Gold watch directed video to be continued when you're on a roller coaster. Um, you know, even in the same folks video where you're where you're um, in public, what's it like to kind of be in public? Rapping when nobody really knows what you're doing there is that is that an odd situation or do you like that? It's odd when you're setting up when you're about to go. You know that kind of feels weird. You know what I mean? But once you once it hits roll, you just gotta get into the mode and yeah. Then it's it's not it's like anything else. It's like I'm sure it's a small version of jumping out of a plane, looking mm -hmm. down. It sucks. I'm sure once you get in the air and the parachute catches and everything is good, it's breathtaking. So. Um, for me, it's kind of like that. I'm like a I'm a low key person. I'm not a I don't like to stand around and walk around. With, I'm the rapper sign on, on my chest. I kind of blend <laughs> in. But when the camera does hit play, that's what I'm there to do. And so I'm turned more into that mode, which is not hard for me to do. But um, yeah, and, and I, I definitely think that that's on on like a couple of um, the the video with Fashion and the um, the roller coaster, and even the, well, I didn't come up with the airport concept, but the, on the other two, were, those are concepts that I had lingering around for a long time, and I was trying to find the right songs to fit them too. I knew I want to ride a roller coaster and rap, and I knew I want to go to Venice Beach and sell CDs, but I didn't know how they fit. So I'm pretty proud of one song being to be continued and how it worked with the video, and then the, the other idea was uh, fashion, how they, they came to fruition. And it always felt like they were meant to be with those songs, even though the ideas came before. So. And when it came time to do the video and choose a roller coaster for that, since you had the the idea to do roller coaster videos, did you have a roller coaster in mind? Or did you go and check and check a few out? Yeah, that was the idea. That's the best, biggest one, the scariest shit, was the newest one. That so X two was was the one. There's no question about it. Nice. And and I've read somewhere where you, uh, I think it was on the Never Not Fresh blog, where you said that that video was meant to symbol symbolize turbulent times in your life. And I was wondering if putting symbolism like that in your music video is, is important to do throughout, or was it just more important for that specific video? Well, the, that part came, uh, I mean, I always knew, yeah, I want to ride the roller coaster or whatever, but when that video happened at that time, I was going, I wasn't liking everything else right then. I was definitely not at my best. Um, I was not at my best or whatever. So when we were we were driving up to the to the video or whatever, we were just talking about, I think, you know, talking about whatever we were that was issue of the, of the day, and uh, and uh, I don't know if it was Jason or whoever else, maybe it was a girl who was with Jason. Somebody was just kind of listening to our conversation, and they just went. Ups and downs, ups and downs, you know. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, right, exactly. We're going to a roller coaster, ups and downs. It just made perfect sense. So it wasn't my first. It wasn't my first thing. Like, hey, I'm having a rough time. What goes up and down? A roller coaster. Let's do that. But after I kind of were in the car and on the way to the street, it was just kind of like symbolic, more symbolic. Is there a is there a video of yours that 
you find represents you better than anything that you when an image you know because when people think of a song if it's got a music video the image will pop up in their head is there an image that you want people to have pop on their in their heads when they think of you um layover is pretty good because i'm not always rapping in it you know there's a lot of, a lot of shots of me walking or laying down or you know, kind of in the motion of traveling. So I think that's pretty, uh, a pretty honest piece or whatever. Chase the Clouds Away, the one directed by Nick Goosen. And Nick is like, a, you know, he's like Adam Sandler. He did Grandma's Boy, which is a huge cult classic movie and stuff. And he does comedy stuff. So for him to do a video for me and just do it for a favor was dope. Um, Chase the Clouds Away is pretty honest. It's not the most high-tech video I have or the most you know wild ride of a video but that's definitely like a pretty honest lifestyle of what happens to me in a day so probably those i'm glad you said the layover because i love i love that video i don't know if it's because i love airports or it's just jason gold watches sort of you know his documentary touch to it but what, what airport were you in that for that for that video that's lax without a permit <laughs> definitely interesting that's good, and I, I assume the the roller coaster one was without a permit too. That seems like the way Jason Goldwatch rolls for a lot of these. Yeah, that was without a permit. Nice. Absolutely. Um, and you know, another video we wanted to ask you about is not yours, but um, we saw you pop up, and we had to kind of rewind and and make sure it was you. But it's the Dirt Nasty nineteen eighty eighty video. Um. Which is a pretty funny video by Dirt Nasty. How did you kind of end up being in that video? Were you just around at the studio when they were shooting it? They shot it a couple of blocks from my house. Um, I think in a church or something like that. Um, Simon's just he's one of my really good friends. Um, and, you know, that's the ironic. It's crazy. So me and DJ AM together, which is crazy, who is another really good friend of mine. And uh, I think, you know, AM and I. They're just a type of salon. There's a chance maybe even Simon met us all at the same time or through one of another or whatever it was. But um, when we, we were both at the set and he was just like, next thing, thought it'd be, you know, it's kind of like, thought it'd be my two good homies. <clears throat> it was AM and I together. Um, and that was crazy. I didn't see AM much after that. It was crazy. In the anticipation of the Cats and Dogs album kind of coming out, you, uh, you know, released all these inside Cats and Dogs little promo pieces, and I was wondering, uh, you know, how do those kind of relate to music videos? Do they serve kind of the same purpose? Yeah, those things really helped. I didn't even realize it. That was Rhyme Stater's idea. I think we've all kind of loosely done stuff like that, like talked about stuff, but no one was ever like, there's 16 songs for 16 days out before the album, we're going to drop a new one every day type of thing. So that that was definitely um, dope. I didn't realize what it was going to do, but you know, what it really did crazy is just coming back from overseas. Is it helped a lot of cats whose English is not their first language understand the songs? I swear, they were all like a lot of the interview interviewers' questions. Were, I could tell were based around a lot of those interviews by the way that they were asking the questions, wording them in the same exact way that I had said it in that in that little piece of whichever song it was for. So um, I, I really did a lot there. Um, I think it also just lets people know that, um, you know, words are easy to waste, and somebody who actually cares about them it might be worth investigating a little bit. And um, it seems to me 
that the people could feel the passion of what I was talking about, you know, songs that aren't about any topic per se. Still just nice to hear her rap and say, okay, well, this is what it was. And uh, I, think it, I think it was a really good idea. Once again, I think it's just the visual, maybe the way I'm moving my rap hands while I'm talking, or what <laughs> I was wearing that day, or, or the weather outside, or whatever it was. It just further, you know, leads you into the music. So. Now, was that, was that stuff all just kind of stream of consciousness, like kind of like you knew, all right, today I'm going to talk about you know this song, and you are and you just kind of went for it, or was there any kind of pre-planning for that, or kind of, you know, looking back or scripting, or was that just kind of you just went for it? No, that was, um, I had literally been on tour with Atmosphere for um, over a month, and um, came back to Minneapolis a couple of days before the release, and we're about to literally go back out again, and I'm serious, you know, we've got you to the office, we're going to do a lot today. And we shot all of those, all within, you know, an hour or two. So and they're all just back to back to back to back to back. It was just like, all right, walk. Let's walk one block over here, talk about this one. All right, move to these steps, talk about this one, that kind of shit. So I, I, I did like it because I didn't know it was going to happen. And so I didn't have a lot of time to pre-plan my fucking Grammy speech, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, 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 was, I didn't know I was going to win this award. Thank you to God. <laughs> and my record label, peace. <laughs> Do you have a Grammy speech ready if, you, if, if the time comes? That. I got a Grammy. <laughs> I got one Grammy, which is a blessing. That's right. For All the right. Kanye yeah. West album, right? For the producing? Yeah, for... Yeah, it's not like for me as an artist, so it's not the same, but still, that, that was the album of the year, and uh, I was the only outside producer, well, actually, two, myself and one other person was the only outside produ- producers on the record, so that was a big, a big accomplishment. Yeah, I, I looked at the, and pretty much every track on its, uh, um, on that album is Kanye West, except for, except for the three of you on that, on that one, one album, so that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, coming up for you, you are you just got back from Europe, and um, you know where are you headed off to, and what can people look out for you in the, in the near future? I was planning on doing my first solo headlining U.S. tour right now, but um, a few things fell through with um, some of the venues and some just stuff that's not that important to people, but some of the reasons it just didn't get all locked down to the east. Um, so I'm going to try to reschedule a lot of that and still do some of the West Coast uh, coming up in April. Um, and then Soundset is coming up. Um, going to Australia with Atmosphere, that's coming up. And then back out to Europe, going to Sweden for a, fe- for a festival, um, Peace and Love Festival, and some others, I think Ross Gilda and some other big ones around there. And then it uh, looks like I might be doing hip hop camp with dilated, which would be big, and I'm not sure. And then um, come back and do more recording with dilated, and uh, I shot another solo record next time. And just keep it coming as long as it's as long as it's coming. I think uh, I think it's anyone who's listening who hasn't listened to those 
or who hasn't seen those Inside Cats and Dogs videos that Evidence put out before Cats and Dogs came out, that's those are really worth a look too. The the one that I recommend is the we'll put a link to in the notes is the one where he's talking about Kanye West and his mother. Uh, which is really interesting. It's an it's an emotional one, and um, yeah, was, a lot of them. He's just kind of you know talking about how the how the collaborations came about, or where the verses came from, or what he was talking about. But that one, yeah, really gets into some uh, some in in depth personal kind of stuff, which is you know not uncommon of evidence. But uh, yeah, really really good, and 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 the way it's shot too, it's really tight. You know, a lot of them they're all kind of shot in different ways, and and that one is uh, yeah the the way it's shot makes it particularly interesting. I think. So, picks of the week. So let's get into the picks of the week. That's what people are here for. That's why we save it till the end. That's right. We save the best for last. And um, I got one. Should I? Do you want me to go first? Well, you did just say we'd save the best for last. So yeah, that would be accurate <laughs> if you went first. Zing. No, nah, oh, zing. Ha. So for my pick of the week, you may have noticed if you are a U2 fan that a few days ago on March 9th, it was the 25th anniversary of the Joshua Tree being released. It was released on March 9th, 1987. Um, and, you know, I'm in, in my late 20s, so I was only a few years old when it came out and discovered it and, you know, liked it a lot later. It still seems like a very long time ago uh, that it came out. When, when you consider the very long career that U2, U2 has had, it's actually not that bad. Um, they've been around since uh, 1978. Um and they're one of the groups that, uh, you know, I look at the Rolling Stones and I say, please stop touring and stop making music. But even though you two are starting to look old, I, I still support them as, uh, you know, touring all over, over the world. I, you know, I don't want to get, this is a controversial opinion, but I believe when the dust settles in about 20 years or so, the, the Beatles will go down as the best recording band of all time and you two will go down as the best live band of all time and i have my reasons but it's a long conversation so um they released a lot of videos this is in 1987 so this is you know six ish years after the start of mtv this is when music videos were big they released a bunch of music videos for this album but i think the you know the one that's my pick of the week is the one for i still haven't found what i'm looking for and there's a few reasons that I think this video is great. If you haven't seen it, there's a very simple premise. They're walking around Las Vegas, um, I think around April 9th or 10th, uh, you know, I think 1988 or 1987, when they are uh, going on their Joshua Tree tour. And it's basically, you know, uh, if you take a look at the same folks video um, by evidence, it's kind of the same concept a little bit. He's just going into a crowd and rapping and here uh, Bono and the Edge and then Larry Mullins Jr. and Adam Clayton appear very briefly toward the end. But it's mainly just them walking around uh, Las Vegas and kind of people looking at them. And, you know, the reason I like this is because it's a really classic video, but it's the same kind of thing that people are doing now. You can you know, people do this all the time. They go out and do, you know, a public place and they just walk around and kind of lip sync the lyrics to their, their song or, or rap to their song. And, you know, YouTube, you know, really kind of made an iconic video out of it. And the other thing that's really interesting about this video is uh, this is 1987. Um, you know, this is the, the mid to late 80s. And you know, now we know Las Vegas as this, you know, new modern place, but back then Las Vegas was more like a, 
um, like a Reno, Nevada kind of, or like an Atlantic City. It wasn't like you know Disney World in a in a way. It wasn't like that yet. And uh, interestingly, this video is credited by a lot of people in Las Vegas as making Las Vegas um, a place where artists wanted to go, kind of change the image of Las Vegas for artists for going to perform there. And now, you know, Las Vegas, you know, that's Celine Dion, um, I think CeeLo has a Las Vegas show com coming up um, where they stay in Las Vegas, you know, for months on end and just perform the same show every night. Um, it's a huge kind of area of the country for live music and um, a lot of people credit this video with starting that off. So there it is, it's an older video, but it's, uh, it's definitely a classic and that's U2's I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Great pick. Thanks, Doug. Really, really pleased with your pick. I need to please. Uh, as you should. Um, I'm. I think I'll go. Go ahead, please, Doug. Um, my pick of the week uh, is directed by one of the longtime boys of Filmed Insert, uh, and specifically the Music Video Land podcast. And that is Mr. Ryan Reichenfeld. The song is called Stay With Me by a band named No. This music video starts with a crash test dummy uh, being rolled down a hallway uh, and like led to kind of like a room with all this kind of electronic equipment and testing equipment and video screen, you know, video kind of replays of, of crashes with crash test dummies, etc. In this room also is a female crash test dummy. One of the things I love about this video is the only thing that distinguishes a male crash test dummy and a female crash test dummy is a female crash test dummy has boobs, which uh, <laughs> I think is a, is a wonderful touch. Um, so these crash test dummies, you know, with these lifeless faces and, and lifeless eyes are, are kind of placed where they kind of make eye contact. And then of course the female crash test dummy is rolled out of the room. Assume, assumingly to be taken to a car to, to be smashed into. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, the, the crash test dummy, the male crash test dummy kind of sees, uh, you, you get a little bit of a flashback of the two. You, I don't know if it's a flashback or maybe an imagination of the two crash test dummies kind of in a garden in each other's arms. And uh, suddenly these dead kind of lifeless looks on these crash test dummies' faces turns into like sympathetic or or sad like i don't know like these faces don't change but like suddenly you see emotion in them it's really cool and then um of course we cut back to the crash test dummy and he kind of starts convulsing and moving and and kind of is is you know gains the ability to walk and he runs down the hallway to go save his female crash test dummy and the one of the greatest moments in any music video ever. He he kind of bursts into the room and all of the kind of scientists kind of freeze, except for one guy who just immediately bolts out of the room. And the reason why I love this bolt so much is because uh, I think that that's how I would react. Like if you like think about what is happening, um, a crash test dummy is bursting into a room if you're standing there freezing lifeless, you're essentially a deer in human clothes because that is not 
fight nor flight, and that doesn't seem like an appropriate reaction. So uh, I love the one guy who bolts, and then of course Crash Test Dummy saves the female Crash Test Dummy, who remains lifeless as they run out of the building. Awesome music video for you to check out. That's a great video. It is. And we all, and, and if you look around the site, we have the the cast listing for who played the Crash Test Dummies. Um, as well as the scientists, Jonathan Conrad, male crash test dummy, Crystal Murphy, female crash test dummy, uh, and Kara Hassett as the female crash test dummy, which was uncredited until this very moment, and now it's credited. Uh, so Kara Hassett, also female crash test dummy. Um, maybe we'll have Ryan on the show and see if. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to finish that sentence. We'll have Ryan on the show again. That we can almost guarantee. But we're not going to ask the, the ridiculous question that was just in my brain that will not come out of my mouth that I refuse to allow. I don't even so, want to know. At that point, at that moment, on that note, I, I think believe we should, we should bid uh, our old oh, listeners, old and new, a fond adieu. That's it for this episode of the Music Video Land podcast. You can uh, check us out on Twitter, at FilmedInsert, um, where we retweet a lot of great links to uh, both music videos as well as retweet music video directors who have some hilarious things to say. But my personal favorite is tweeting links to um, books that try to scam you if you want to become a music video director. So if you want scam links uh, that are hilarious, check out our uh, Twitter uh, feed right there, also on Facebook, um, as everybody is as well, and um, of course, filmedinsert.com. So, join the conversation with us on those <laughs> social medias. Join the conversation, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. Because you're upset. Why would you? Why would you be? Why would you be upset? Because you're upset.